0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and my guest this week is Lynn Bowman. She is author of Brownies for Breakfast. We're going to be talking about playing with your food. I am super excited about that. You can find the book on Amazon or you can go to her website, lynnbowman.com. I'll put that in the links below and sign up for her list there where you can get more information. If you would like more info on Playful Humans, ideas to be more creative, help adults rediscover the power of play, or just meet some other cool playful people, go to playfulhumans.com and uh, take a personality quiz, join the club, do whatever you need to do there to have more. of the week here uh the joke of the week is brought to you by frisbees i was wondering why this frisbee kept getting bigger and bigger and then it hit me uh okay here's the official joke of the week this one's for you uh i just finished writing my book on penguins and my publisher said it would have been much easier if i had written it on paper (laughs) yeah we did it uh I guess let's start and just tell us about your book, Brownies for Breakfast. You had me at the title. I don't need to know uh, really anymore. I'm already sold, but I'm guessing there is much more to that.
1: Well, there is more to it. It's, it's actually, Mike, it's the, the subtitle is a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. So uh, and I'm a big believer in food being beautiful and fun and interesting and easy and fast and cheap. All the things. So um, and I'm a granny, so I get to do that, right? Uh I know stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like all grandmas do. Yeah. Uh I'm all about it. And so the book is for people who thought maybe being diabetic or wanting to be healthy meant not having wonderful treats or great food, hence the title. And um, I think everyone should be able to have pink frosting and sprinkles when they want. Right? Uh yes. Yeah. So so I wrote the book because nobody else did. So there you are. I had to do it. It was up to
0: yeah. me. Well, I'm excited to to dive into it a little bit. I think I've been struggling a little bit, probably like most people in our our culture. I go up and down with my weight and I can do a crash diet and starve myself for months ooh, and, ooh. and lose 40 pounds. I've lost 40 pounds at least three times in, in my uh life here. But um but I always feel like that's not sustainable. Like not having brownies for the rest of my life is not realistic.
1: It is right? absolutely not realistic. And so the whole idea is to stop eating crap, eat good food, real food, mostly plants. There it is. Whole answer. <laughs> but I but I did it in a book just so it would feel more official.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I think we should also clarify the brownies you're talking about are not like a, a store-bought gigantic no. brownie uh, no, from Starbucks.
1: The, right. the caveat is that you have to make them yourself or have your grandma make them. Uh, you bake them instead of frying them, and you make them out of good ingredients. I tell you exactly what. It's easy, and it's not expensive, but then you can eat donuts all you want, and... The thing is then if you eat one or two of these donuts, your body goes, Okay, thanks. That was great. That'll do it. Um, as opposed to certain kind of drive-in donuts, let's say, that are designed to keep you eating. So, which is yeah, a real
0: problem. Uh, it is a, a real problem. And I think before I do want to ask specifically about the diabetic part, but I think um I love your approach to food and that it being playful and that people should have sprinkles and, and yeah. donuts. When did you start playing with food and have you always loved to to cook and do this? Or was this something that uh, you found along the way?
1: Well, kind of. Yeah. And it's a it's a survival skill. I mean, you know, I, I didn't have any money and I needed to eat. And and so the way you do that is you figure out how to make good food from inexpensive ingredients and do it fast. And then time went on and I became the mother, happily, of three kids. But then I was a single mom. So now it was, boy, howdy, I had to really get good at putting it on the table, making it happen fast, affordable, and then I also had the joy and the responsibility of teaching kids how to be part of this whole process, which I find now parents don't do so much anymore. Speaking of play, at our house, shopping was play because we had to do it together, right? So, okay, kids, we got a scavenger hunt here. Find the cereal with no sugar in it, of course, which was impossible, um, <laughs> but. They, they learn very young to read the ingredients and to find things and, and so on. And um, I, I find that that's a thing that needs to be taught a little bit now. People, people have gone away from cooking their own food. They're driving through. They're buying it in a box or a bag or whatever. And, uh, and so everybody's fat. And there is a huge epidemic. This isn't news to you of diabetics. And it used to be called adult onset diabetes, and now kids are diabetic, type 2 diabetic with yeah. it. And it's just, it's nothing more than food and movement. That's what it is. So, when you think, so that relates to play in a very distinct way because we've always associated food with fun, with celebration, with play. But I would like to. Convince folks, not easy, that it doesn't have to be full of sugar and grease to be celebratory and fun and delicious and easy and familiar and all those things. So it's food culture in a way that we've lost our food ways
0: Well, I love that because I do think it's kind of corresponded with the loss of play in in our lives and all the stuff that I talk about and research is that, you know, it's pretty simple that people that play lose more. They're healthier. They get sick less. They they move more, which means they are lower weight and uh, you try to fuel, you know, better play and activities. So you eat healthier and all kinds of things. You smile more. So you look more attractive. (laughs) All kinds of good things happen when you're really having fun and enjoying it. And I think what's gotten out of balance in our culture is that uh, um, it's a lot of things. It's not just if it was one thing, we could fix it. But when you eat bad, you don't feel like going outside. And when you don't go outside, you feel lonely because you haven't connected with somebody. And so you try and replace that with food and and sugars that make you feel better or chocolate instead of actual, you know, love and human connection. So it's the
1: food, the the sleep, the movement. It's all of it. It's one system. We are one system. Our community is one system. So we have to start thinking about it that way. Um, absolutely. And and you can't play if you can't move. And you can't move if you don't, don't fuel yourself with actual food.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I, I have a tough question for you, and Uh-oh. I don't know how you're going to answer. But I have been at different points in my life. Somebody who is measuring, looking at the ingredients and stuff, like paying attention to calorie counting and other things. And I feel like sometimes that's not healthy. And then I know some people like cook by very specific measurements, and some people are like throw it all in there and and work out the balance. Which I'm a messy cook.
1: Like? I'm a lazy cook.
0: <laughs>
1: so the book is very forgiving. I mean, literally, there are recipes in there with two or three ingredients. But the, it's stuff that maybe you didn't know. You didn't think, oh, you mean I just need to put that with that, and it makes a great sauce. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's designed so that an eight-year-old or a crabby 85-year-old can just open her up and get her done. And uh, and that's the way cooking should be. If you want it to be more elaborate, if you want to do Asian fusion with it, you know, special and go, great, good for you. But that wasn't me. right? I just wanted to put something yummy on the table pretty quick. And and I spent a lot of my life highly budgeted let's say so so i'm frugal by nature and and i don't like the idea of food being out of reach to anybody i mean good food should not be is not out of reach to people and and i want everybody to grow stuff and people are always asking me how to get their kids to eat Vegetables and so on, and the answer there is really simple too. Kids eat what kids grow, and Mm. kids eat what kids cook. So when you involve kids in food and what it is and where it comes from, and put some seeds in some pots and just you know kind of make it happen yourself, it's like cool. A carrot, you know, and then you want to eat it. So uh, and and I think that's also there's a kind of a spiritual and playful aspect to that, food is fun. I mean, it's interesting. Right. And it's beautiful. Well, that's coffee. what I was
0: hoping you'd say. I think the process of cooking is fun, especially with yeah. your, your kids and and family. And it shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be measurements and data and, and science. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of our things in our culture, because we can measure them now, we think we should. And um, I don't think that's true. I think it's much healthier and happier to, to kind of play.
1: I'm all about science and data and everything right. I've done here is backed absolutely by science. But I don't want to be counting anything when I sit down to eat. I don't want to even, you know, it's on the table. Enjoy. That's the end of it. Just enjoy. And and if you're eating good, wholesome, plant-based, healthy food, you don't need to measure stuff. You know, if you know some basics like, yeah, yeah. Bread is a thing I really don't need to eat a lot of, which is, of course, in the book. If you know that that you need to be eating greens two or three times a day, dark greens, then you spend some time going, oh, how am I going to do that? I don't care how many leaves you eat. Just eat some leaves, right? And you find that if if you're working to do that, if you're working just to include leaves in your diet – you, you stop worrying about how much they weigh or how big they are. You just think, oh, boy, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, how am I going to do that and, and make it a game? And it literally is a game. How can I include the best foods in my diet every day? It's not what you don't eat, really. It's what you do eat, you know, and what you eat every day. So I don't measure things. I don't weigh things typically. You know, the book has recipes. If you're baking something,
0: yeah, you for sure. Yeah, have a, a little more specific. Recipe.
1: Yeah, but they're very forgiving recipes and uh, nothing in there that you need to, like, do a lot of prep for, blanch things, you know, and then foam things and so on. You don't need any special equipment. You could buy everything at the thrift shop, which is another great way to play. Um, and, um, I mean, one of my favorites, certainly. My whole house is decorated, mm-hmm. by the way. And, and the book has pictures I was asked for by some early readers to include my house in the thing. And yeah. so I did, which is kind of weird, but I thought, okay, I'll play. And um, it, it, I realized that most everything in my home had been salvaged, you know, or, or kind of brought in off the street or repurposed or whatever, which is also a great way to play and fun um, making new things out of old things.
0: Yeah, I I love that. All great tips for people, for sure. Now, one more question on measurement, and I guess we'll transition to the diabetes topic, which is obviously they uh, most people are measuring their blood sugar a lot and being very careful uh, about things. So um, are you diabetic or you love someone uh, who is? How do you manage that? And what's different about these recipes than you would find in in any other book? Okay,
1: yes, yes, yes. And I have even something more exciting to say, which is and I'm proud to say I'm 76 years old, as of this recording, and I say that because people have this kind of odd idea of what elders are like, right, or what aging is like, and diabetes, we were always told, well, it's a progressive disease, I'm sorry, it's just not going to get any better, it's going to get worse, you know, and so there you are, and you walk out of the office going, wait, what? Um, And I have known that I was type two diabetic since I was in my 40s. I am now no longer in diabetic territory. My blood work comes back right at the tippy top of normal, right at the kind of. But you know what? That beats the crud out of progressive. It didn't.
0: Yeah. Congratulations on that.
1: You can fix it. You can do it. And it's nothing more than eating the way I tell you, you have to eat the way I tell you, and playing and moving and sleeping. Uh, and and what's different about my book is that, uh, one, it's fun. You'll find, Mike, you can enjoy it. It's kind of funny. I've got stories in there. And it is something you can absolutely live with forever. I mean, it's the way everybody should eat. Got heart disease, got liver problems, got money problems, got romantic problems, all solved in the book, I promise you.
0: Wow, that's really that cool. Would, awesome yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Now I want to transition and ask a little bit more about you because you seem like a fun and and playful person. And I am sure you have had a lot of fun before you decided to write this book. So uh, what was that like for you as a a child or early adult? Have you always had playful careers? Did you um, give up at some point and get burnt out with an office job or something and then transition back? Tell us a little bit about your story.
1: It's so long, Mike. <laughs> you already know I'm really old, right? So I've done a zillion things. And and I'm part of that yeah. cohort, particularly of women who I graduated from high school in 1964. Kind of an interesting year, the Beatles, right? And all that sort of yeah. thing. The world was on fire. And uh, Harvard was not co-ed. And I could not legally get a credit card. And whatever I owned, my husband owned etc. I mean, it was truly a different era. So as women, when we looked at careers, what was we could be a nurse, we could be a teacher, we could be an airline attendant in those days called stewardess, but only if we weighed less than 125 pounds. Got yeah, that's it?
0: Crazy. Yeah, you
1: know, that was the world that that we came of age into. And so we didn't come of age going, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. You know, I, my, my own little personal self, I was an artist. That was how I saw myself, what I thought I would be doing. I thought I would be doing fashion illustration. That was what I kind of set my oh, cool. Well, yes, but not terribly realistic. Um, right. And, um, you know, I did a bunch of things because we took jobs the way you found work was there was help wanted men and help wanted women. Guess mm-hmm. where the fun jobs were? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, but you did what was available to do. And, and, um, and my answer was always, yes, okay. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, you figure it out, you do it. And, um, and I eventually found my way into advertising. Uh, I could could write and um, kind of had a knack for presenting things and doing a story around things and so and I landed in the Silicon Valley in 1980 when microcomputers were blowing up and here was this whole industry now that needed people to explain to people what this stuff was. And to get behavior change in people because, and it's weird to think about it now, but back in the day, even in 1980, men did not want to put their fingers on a keyboard. A Um. keyboard was a thing that women did. That was women's work. So now I'm saying, okay, here's the keys to the universe in this little computer, but you have to put your fingers on the keyboard. And I mean, honestly, you you had executives everywhere going, not me, you know, give it to her. Right. I'm not going to do it. So our job in the creative industry was to help get all kinds of behavior change so that people would adapt to these new technologies. And that was interesting and fun and playful. Um, I remember one of the headlines was scrolling down Fifth Avenue. Because people didn't know, I mean, the whole idea of shopping online, whoa, what? right? I the mean, whole?
0: even into the 2000s and stuff, it was still, people are like, no, that's crazy. They're yeah, gonna,
1: no, you know, never steal happened. Steal it or not, right? ship
0: it to you. How can you not try on clothes and yeah. stuff? And,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah so, so it was fun and interesting. And I got to work with really playful, interesting people because that was our job, was to turn this into play. To take it out of the technology realm and turn it into something fun and, you know, um, creative.
0: So, I relate to that a, a lot. I've always considered one of my strengths in my career is translating nerd to uh, human speak. And so I can definitely go. speak nerd. I, I, you know, have built over 200 websites, I've written programs and and stuff, but I've always found it to be more fun to actually communicate in a way that other people can understand and and not to confuse people, to, but to make it simpler for them. And it is an art form, even, you know, creative writing and copywriting and stuff is it's yeah. an art and a creative challenge. Yeah, it's fun.
1: It's a big challenge, but, but working. And, it, and in those days, it took a room full of people to do a thing. There was a photographer, yeah. there were lighting people, there were costume people, there were makeup people, there were, were recording people. I mean, to record anything, you had to have a room full of big equipment that, you know, went around and around. You had to have an engineer and all this stuff. Now, it's you're doing it alone. One person publishing a book. It's one person. Basically, I I, with this book, I did it with a designer friend of mine that I love and who's very talented and creative. But then it's just you and some files.
0: Yeah. Not layers of management and and stuff. Nobody.
1: No, nobody. (laughs) So uh, that keeps catching me by surprise is how much we have now pushed so many people are out of the process and it's just you and a machine.
0: Yeah, I think it can be lonely too. I've been trying to connect with more people, especially post pandemic here is I, I really struggled and I've been working remotely for seven years. So it wasn't that much of a change okay. for me, but then everybody else went remote and, um, all of the fun that I had that was my get outside time, you know, for parties and travel or things like that was sucked out. So it made it even worse kind of there. I I had my outlets for five years where I could go, I do public speaking and conferences and and stuff like that. And I could go uh, do that on a regular basis or hang out and do karaoke with the friends. But um, when that stopped, that's when I really struggled. And I feel like people are going to miss that and they're going to want to work Together too, but um, it's but interesting. I think bosses struggle with how to bring people back to work or how to work together when you need it, but work alone when you don't need it. You know? There
1: you go. It's not having to do it every day. That's yeah. a good thing. Uh, and and of course, again, speaking of old feminist acts here, um, women never had the freedom to be at the office all the time the way they were expected to be at the office all the time. I had to pick kids up yeah. at daycare, right? So uh, the way that it worked out in one of the agencies I worked for is the guys would all plan the meetings for 6 p.m. after they knew I'd be gone. So, oh, man. yeah yeah, 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 right, but um you find ways around it um.
0: <laughs> uh, I love that you do, and I can tell uh you you uh persevere in in that kind of stuff, but uh one last fun question for you. What's your favorite way to to play with the grandkids or uh or on your own?
1: Oh, yeah, there's nothing like an eight month old to bring you back to the most wonderful things in the world, you know, licking things that you really like <laughs> and finding cool things on the floor and rediscovering what joy there is in making motorboat sounds. I mean, nothing better, right?
0: <laughs> that is a so, good one. Classic.
1: Oh yeah. And, um, my, my granddaughter is now 14, almost 15. So, The playfulness sort of shifts in an interesting way, and we have different kinds of play that we do um, involving a lot of snark, I got to tell (laughs) you. I can give snark as well as take snark, so that's all right, but... The little tiny ones, I mean, come on. That's just, oh my gosh, it's just.
0: It is so great. Never underestimate the power of like peekaboo or a silly face. Like uh, always good times. Uh, putting things on my my head uh, is usually yes. a, a winner yes. with, with my nieces and nephews for yes. sure. All right. Now, speaking of which, are you ready to play a game? Okay. All right. Uh, You look a little nervous, but we're going to do it. Uh, We're spinning the wheel and seeing which game you land on. You got survey says survey says I have three questions here. We asked 100 people. So the top five or six answers are on the board. If you get one of them in two out of three, you win. Okay, Uh, name a kind of place where time seems to pass very slowly.
1: Uh, In line anywhere.
0: Uh, that is true. A lot of these are, uh, lines I'll take it, but, uh, doctor and hospital number one, school and work, uh, in there and then, uh, church airport and traffic. So I feel like traffic and airport are both because of the lines really, um, name something like blushing that gives you away when you tell a lie, what gives you away when you tell a lie.
1: But what if you don't tell lies?
0: Uh, What would give somebody else away?
1: Okay. What would give somebody else away? Um, Their eyes darting.
0: Number one answer. There you go. Eyes, number one. Uh, Smiling, number two. Stuttering, fidgeting, uh, sweating, or uh, blushing. All right. Number three, name a word or phrase that starts with the word break.
1: Breakthrough.
0: Breakthrough is on there. Nicely done. That one is number six. We got break a leg breakfast, break up, uh, break it down and break dance. Uh, also on there. So you did it. Uh, you win our game. Thank you so much for playing. And you win a free 32nd commercial here for your book. I'll cover the low lying fruit for you too. It's brownies for breakfast. You can buy it anywhere. You buy books or go to Amazon. The link is in the notes below. Lynn's got, uh, the book cover there and go to lynnbowman.com and sign up for Lynn's list. If you would like more information or keep in touch with future projects of hers, anything else you want to add for, uh, the book or yourself
1: oh i just I, everybody should think seriously about having more fun with food uh, eat joyfully think about it as being the best play all day is sitting down to a donut with pink frosting and sprinkles or a brownie or um just having some silly fun putting color on your plate and making faces with your deviled eggs and you know <laughs> food is fun Food is really fun.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Lynn, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, for you. more information on playful humans, you can go to playfulhumans.com. We have a fun quiz there where you can, there's 10 different personality styles. So it's like a Buzzfeed style quiz. You answer a few questions and it'll tell you which is your primary play personality. And you might be an athlete. You might be a puzzle solver. Or you might like social settings or joke telling, uh, all kinds of good stuff that you can discover about yourself and then get a few tips uh, about how to make the most of it in your life. And most importantly, share this episode with somebody that you think needs to hear it. Maybe you have a diabetic in your life or something else that needs to hear this one. Don't wait for See ya.
1: tomorrow,
0: live for today, keep on chasing the sunshine, and go out and play. Go play, everybody.